a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. For the headline Sweden and Finland have formally filed application to join NATO. Beyond the headlines, Will their presence make a difference? Will they be valued partners? Will they have equal voices? What will it all mean? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. And we do need to look past those headlines. We need to think again in terms of what this is and what this really means. And we're really pleased to have joining us on the program, Ishan Tharoor, who is a columnist on the foreign desk of the Washington Post, where he is the author of today's Worldview newsletter and column. Uh, Ishan, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure to be with you. Uh, so give us a little perspective here in, in terms of what this uh, really means in terms of Sweden and Finland moving out of uh, just being in that neutral category uh, and uh, formally applying to become members of NATO? Well, it's, it's a huge development. Of course, it's not gone through yet. But uh, Sweden and NATO, uh, Sweden and Finland are countries, of course, that are very present in European politics. Uh, these are two nations with pretty sophisticated militaries that have already had a pretty robust kind of partnership with other NATO countries. But their decision to to abandon, as you said, this kind of position of quasi-neutrality that for different reasons they maintained over the past few decades uh, is pretty seismic. First of all, geographically, Finland joining NATO means that this military alliance has doubled its borders uh, with Russia, which, uh, which you know, is, is problematic in some ways because, of course, once you are a member of NATO, then the Article 5 obligation comes in what that means is that you know, if there is a Russian attack on Finland, then NATO countries have to really take that as uh, an, an attack on their territory as well, and they have to respond in kind. So it raises the stakes. But I think you know, one of the more important takeaways, and probably the, the main one right now from all of this, is that if you listen to the rhetoric from Russia, if you listen to the Vladimir Putin speeches, if you listen to what's, what's being said on Russian state TV, this whole invasion of Ukraine that we've been watching from afar – for the past few months, uh, was was uh, dictated by uh, the supposed threat of NATO expansion. And, and, and that's what the Russians said, and Putin invaded uh, on the argument that this is going to check NATO expansion. That was at least one of his arguments, or one of the, the Russian arguments. Yeah. Now, this is, and now, yeah, you can see, that's completely blown up in his face. I mean, NATO is expanding, not remarkably, and, at a, and probably at a pace that, would not have been possible uh, had it not been for this invasion. 
Yeah, and so play that out for us a little bit inside of Russia. Does this does this help Vladimir Putin inside of Russia? Does he does it give him the ability to say, "See, I told you this was really about the West and conspiring against us," and uh, and kind of making that case to his people? I think there is uh, certainly uh, that line has always been there, and you know, no matter what volume of weaponry the West sends to Ukraine, no matter what kind of couched arrangements exist in terms of supporting the Ukrainians, uh, it would have been always perceived, though the war in Ukraine by and for Russia would always have been perceived as this war against the pro, you know, proxy forces that represent the West. I don't think that was particularly avoidable. But what is interesting, especially as this war drags on, especially as Russian forces experience quite a few damaging setbacks and, and you're seeing slowly uh, cracks emerge, in the Russian discourse, there's this incredible now viral video of a Russian colonel, a retired Russian colonel on state TV, saying, look, we are geopolitically isolated, and this is a problem. Uh, the fact that Finland and Sweden are entering NATO really underscores the, the nature with which uh, Russia feels uh, kind of left alone. It's important to remember that for, for, for decades, there was this idea of Finlandization, that is, you know, Finland would not join NATO, would not yoke itself to the West, but and, and Russia would, you know, the Soviet Union back then would then let Finland be. And and the Finns have resented this kind of halfway house that geopolitically they had to exist in. And uh, and now, you know, that that relic, that, that sort of memory of of uh, you know Kremlin overbearing influence is being dispelled even further. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Oh, that's uh, that's so interesting to me. And so as you as you look at that historically, uh, help us walk all the way through that. Uh, obviously, Finland and Sweden both were previously not part of NATO. You talked about the, the Finland component. Why has Sweden uh, stayed on the outside looking in when it comes to NATO? Well, Sweden has an even more historic position in neutrality that goes back to kind of the Napoleonic Wars in the early 19th century. So we don't perhaps want to parse that too much. It's a position that successive Swedish governments have taken over the years. They were, of course, uh, more neutral in World War II than some of their Nordic neighbors. Uh, and, and that's a position that you know, you know, ripples along through the decades. Of course, Sweden is very much an EU member state. It's very much a proactive uh, player on the global stage when it comes to all sorts of issues. Uh, but when it came to you know, yoking itself to this NATO military alliance, that's not something they decided to do. Uh, and you know, there's, there's been, you know, for decades, debates within these countries about, you know, what's our role here? What should our ambition be? Uh, of course, there are many people, particularly on the left uh, during the Cold War, who were who resisted the sense of taking sides in the Cold War, which is what NATO membership was. And uh, and then, of course, you have people who were worried that if you join NATO, that would raise the stakes, that would risk confrontation with Russia. Um, but I think what has happened now is that the invasion of Ukraine, the kind of the bald nature of it, the, the, the brazenness with which Russia 
has carried out what it's doing, the, the way it's slaughtering civilians, um, really led to a sea, cha- sea, uh, you know, a sea change in public opinion. Uh, and, and you see these opinion polls in Finland and Sweden, where even just a year ago, um, people were you know, 50-50, if, if not even opposed to NATO membership. Now, significant majorities in both countries support it. Political parties have changed their position. So it's just in the space of months, it's been a, a kind of major geopolitical evolution. Uh, and then final question for you quickly. What, uh, what impact, what kind of voice uh, will Sweden and Finland uh, really have in NATO? How does that impact uh, kind of the alliance itself in terms of strategy, who's spending what on, on defense and so on? I don't think there's going to be that much of a difference, mostly because Sweden and Finland have been so active as kind of partners to NATO in recent years. Uh, there's a already existing uh, robust program of military exercises that are carried out in the Arctic uh, between NATO and sort of these Nordic countries and their militaries. Uh, and and yes, I think you know there are some experts who say that the the Finnish and Swedish armies are in many ways more NATO operable, more ready for NATO than some other NATO member states already. So I don't think there's going to be any kind of learning curve for them or, or when they join. Uh, the question is now a political one, because there is one NATO state, Turkey, which today is trying to throw a spanner in the works and block uh, their accession. And that's probably a conversation for like a whole other uh, segment. Uh, and so now we're in a kind of political situation where the NATO nation, NATO as a whole, has to see what Turkey's trying to get out of this as leverage before they unblock uh, Finnish and Swedish accession. All right. Great insight, as always. Ishan Tharu, a columnist on the Foreign Desk of The Washington Post. Uh, he's also the author of today's Worldview newsletter and column. Uh, Ishan, thank you for great insight. Uh, we'll continue to monitor this. We'll have you back to break it down as we move forward. Anytime. Thank you, Blake. So some really important things in terms of that framing, in terms of the impact Sweden and Finland will have and where they will not really impact a lot in terms of NATO. Uh, but more importantly, it is that front, that 800-mile border uh, with Russia that suddenly becomes a, a very important line in the sand for all of those NATO countries. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.